Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Character Creation Cast. We are so excited you're here. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. If you want to know a little bit more about Ryan and I or about what to expect as a listener of this show, you can check out episode zero, which should also be in your feed. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, just hang out and figure it out as you go. Exactly. Um, this episode here has been remastered four and a half years after its original recording to much better match our more exacting quality standards of today uh, here in 2022. Despite the remastering, it was still our first time recording a full podcast together with guests. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had done a few practice sessions on our own. And as we mentioned in our episode zero, Ryan and I did not know each other before we endeavored on this uh, perilous journey. Mm-hmm. But um, you can you can hear some of our awkwardness, probably. Despite Ryan's wonderful editing, he cannot edit in more charisma and chemistry. No, I checked with Isotope <laughs> and they said they're going to work on it. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Coming soon. Um, we do promise that our chemistry and energy only get better from here. Hopefully you can even hear it in this in this open, but please bear with us. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, even if you find that D&D isn't your thing, uh, absolutely take a look at our feed to see if there is something that sparks your interest. Uh, we have covered a ton of games, new and old, with so many fantastic guests. So we think there is something in there for pretty much everybody. Uh, if it turns out that D&D is your thing... You can also check out our 50th series where we cover D&D again um, in a very different way mm-hmm. with some different guests um, with more chemistry. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but with all of that out of the way, please enjoy the show, everyone. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we discuss and create characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia. 
And this episode, my co-host Ryan and I welcome Neil Powell, most notably from Dungeon Master's Block podcast. He is also the editor for Whelmed, The Young Justice Files, and the brand new Tentacles and Tomes podcast, a Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast. We also have with us Tall Squall, who plays Alistair on Turncloak's actual play podcast. And along with this, he is the DM for The Vice, a 100% for charity actual play campaign on Twitch. And we are here to discuss character creation for Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition, a fantasy role-playing game system published by Wizards of the Coast. And welcome to the first episode, everyone. Uh, we're very excited to have you all here with us. Well, thank you. Uh, looking forward to uh, create some characters and uh, show off some of the fun things that 5th Edition has to offer. I really thought this oh, was going to be 2nd Edition. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm ready to calculate some thaco. No, wait, what? Oh, yeah, Start back over. in my day, man. <laughs> well, Neil, uh, could you go ahead and tell us a bit more about yourself and uh, anything else you want to talk about the projects that you're currently involved in? Uh, no, that was a good rundown. That also means that Tall Squall, you and I are encounter role play friends, and we are officially meeting for the first time because I. Because yes. I edit tomes and tentacles. Yeah. Welcome to welcome to the fold of Will's madness. Or actually, I guess you get to watch Will be tormented instead of tormenting yes, us. Yes, it is enjoyable. And uh, I think the only other thing that I would put out there because I just started doing it is I started a blog series called From LP to RP, where I take album covers and I create fifth edition content based off of like whatever inspires me about them. And it's really fun. And so if no one else likes it, I really do. And I think that's all that really matters. Yeah, I checked out that I checked out that first blog entry and it, it's pretty sweet. Uh, I'm really excited for the rest of them. Awesome. It's such a neat project idea. Like that's Yeah, no, I I, I saw it come across my feed and I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, this is cool. Awesome. Right? I started thinking back all of my album covers, yeah. right? I know I tried starting to like scroll through my brain too to think of ones that would be interesting too, well, but you, I can't come up with you let me know. So far. I can always I'll, I'll use let you know more I... inspiration. Yes. That's all I have. <laughs> all right. And um, Tall Squawk, can you tell us a little bit more about what else you have going on? Sure. Yeah. No, uh, other than being, uh, like I said, tormented with um, the fun and excitement of Turn Cloaks, which is our sort of low magic campaign where I'm playing a plague doctor, which is sort of how we've described uh, a cleric. He's of the de of the uh, grave domain in this really low magic world. We've made great pains, or at least I've, I've tried to do my best to make science uh match these spells so they're not necessarily uh straight off of the uh the descriptions that you might find in the player's handbook and that's certainly been a fun challenge creative uh thing to do um but i really enjoy that it is dark though so if you're that's not your cup of tea uh we have the vice that you had mentioned that i uh, dm we run it 100 for charity uh, we've been going for a little bit over a year now, and we've raised, uh, we're approaching $8,000 that we've oh, raised awesome. for uh, about 10 different charities. Uh, we actually have a table of charities that has been submitted by uh, our players and our uh, regular viewers, and we roll each month of what charity we're going to support. And I've uh, been able to, as I say, almost $8,000 now that we've raised. So I'm really uh, pleased with that. It's been amazing to learn more about charities that I wasn't aware of and then be able to give them some support from the amazing 
role-playing community out there uh just far more generous and far more giving than i think any of us could have ever expected and it's just been really neat uh thing to see and be a part of um, the other fun thing we have going on right now, if you want something really on the lighter side, yeah. <laughs> uh, right now, Learn by Play, which is on the D&D Twitch channel on Saturday nights at 6. Uh, Will is DMing. It's called uh, Reinventing the Realms. It's taking uh, the Realm of Faerun and throwing in some homebrew into it. Uh, we're starting at level one. And uh, we are a... We, we were making our characters interesting. So we were going through our characters. Everyone sort of was like, oh, we want to try out some of these great new classes that are out in some of the new materials. And we all did. And then we also were all being quirky and whatever and rolling stats and putting together our, our character story. And we didn't realize until about halfway through session one, every single one of us has int as our dump stat. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I mean, we were, I was like, one of those things, I was like, I rolled something and it was like, you had a minus one. Someone else rolled something, I was like, a minus two. Then someone else rolled something, I said zero. I'm like, I sent out a message madly through our chat. I'm like, did everyone take intelligence as their dump stat? And everyone's like, yep, 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 yep. And we're like, oh, wow. And this This is the importance of session zero, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we are, you know, on the D&D channel with a group, uh, that is, yeah, going to be all about hitting the charisma and just hitting things yep, hard. You are the hammer. <laughs> that sounds yeah. amazing. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's it's been very fun. It's a very interesting. Um, you know, a whole different you know type of gameplay. Uh, the you know one of the things Will had said uh, is that you know it's about these wild cards after the events of Tomb of Annihilation, and so we are now known as the wild cards because we're. All the you you always have the one quirky member of the party. We're all the quirky. It's members. like if that was all that was left over, and you just that made was a group all that of was them. left. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun, but um, yeah. So those are sort of the things that I'm involved with. Uh, you can find me on Encounter Roleplay doing Encounter Roleplay things, uh, one shots, and other campaigns that I'm involved with. But uh, yeah, no, it's you know it's all about getting together and telling a story and. The biggest piece of that's character creation. So I'm looking forward to uh, taking people through a little bit of how we do it here. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here as well, Tallsquall. Um, well, how about we uh, jump into find out what this game is actually all about before we get to the character creation? What's in a game? So we are going to open the floor to answering a few questions. Uh, so feel free, you guys, to jump in and discuss wherever you feel comfortable. So Dungeons and Dragons, we know it's popular. What is the standard Dungeons and Dragons setting for for some that might not be familiar with it and may be listening right now? Uh, Well, I mentioned it before. I mean, it's Forgotten Realms, Faerun. Um, I actually am not a big modern lore buff i know those two pieces and i go to you know i go out onto google when i need to know things so i'm gonna that's there's the end of my knowledge on that one so i'll step back and let someone else talk (laughs) well like what sort of uh setting it's it's a fantasy setting right with uh dungeons dragons castles monsters magic etc um anything that uh kind of steps or stands out to you guys uh that that might make it a little bit more uh apart from just a regular standard fantasy game 
in terms of the Forgotten Realms, I know one of the big things. So I probably have too much knowledge and won't go that road either. Is but even despite all of that and all the years it has been around, it does a decent job of having empty spaces in which you can exist. You know, and there's a lot of de- very clearly defined things, and depending on the players at your table, that can be good or bad. When <laughs> I'm in Waterdeep, they're like, "Okay, three blocks down is this uh this bar and this shop." Probably not <laughs> great, but you can also go off into these uncharted wilds that can be anything that you want them to be. Um, Some other places are so defined that you don't feel like you have that freedom. I think that's kind of how I think of D&D generally is that it's more of an open sandbox kind of world where you can fit in the pieces that you want. It has this generic fantasy feel, but there's, you know, all these other pieces that you can kind of create yourself and your players can add in. You know, some settings have like a very strong meta plot or very like specific, you know, like you said, like three blocks down is this and then there's this. And, you know, like I think of D&D as being much more open. Well, I think it's that flexibility. Um, and with, I think we're at 40 some odd years of lore, there is a lot of breadth that you can use. Um, and that's nice for both dungeon master and player that you have this built-in familiarity with this land, but for a level one adventurer, you know, you step too far off the road and it can be any forest, anywhere, any creature, um, you know, in any fantasy realm that you want it to be. So um, I think that's kind of one of the things that I know a lot of people who have played even some of the video games that are based off of the lore it's interesting to see people you may have met uh, and not even realized it was something that was Dungeons and Dragons. I was actually just talking to someone today that I'm starting a Curse of Strahd uh, campaign, which I've kept myself completely sequestered from waiting for the group to play <laughs> it because I, you know, everyone talks about how amazing it is. And so I didn't want to know anything, no spoilers. I didn't want to run it. I've never opened the book. Uh, I know the very, very basics from the fact that I know Ravenloft, you know, mm-hmm. the video game. And so, and I was mentioning it to someone and he was like, I didn't realize that that was, you know, that was all part of that. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's, it's all interconnected. And a lot of people don't even realize how interconnected, you know, that Baldur's Gate is, you know, they know that series. I'm like, what do you mean that's D&D? It's like, no, that's D&D. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that there's a, there's a bit of that nostalgia and i said you know the built-in feels that you can sometimes play on with people um in these in these worlds which is which is nice yeah i think it it, by now because it's been around so long and there are so many you know different pieces of it it offers a nice balance between um having a lot of stuff to work off of if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to completely write your own story and you know you need a little uh a little structure. Um, it has it has that. And then if you're the kind of person that wants to completely make up your own thing, there's certainly room for that too. Right. In this world or creating your whole world. I mean, that's the nice part about the reference levels that you have with fifth edition and even previous editions, I think, is the fact that you've got that ability to I think in the DM guys, it's, you know, it has you start with a pantheon of gods, you know, to truly start at, you know, in the beginning. Right. <laughs> yes. This is your genesis. Creation, 
um, or just down to, well, I we're going to get together for this party, you know, or we're going out, you know, hiking uh, and we're going to you know, be have a weekend and we're going to play D&Ds at night because there's no TV in the cabin type idea. <laughs> and you can go like, OK, here's a couple monsters. Everyone, you know, quick, make a character and let's roll some dice. And I think it, it lends itself to either type of play. Mm-hmm. So. I think the next step then in creating our characters is to say, what things do we need? What material things do we need to get this done? What do you need to have in front of you? Uh, a piece of paper, yep. <laughs> piece of paper, pencil, uh, truly for just character creation and a six-sided die, um, you know, from any Monopoly game anywhere or whatever might you have in your house. Uh, certainly it helps if you've got more. So if you've got a Yahtzee set, go get a couple. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you really get right down to it, um, and then, of course, uh, Player's Handbook, or as I was mentioning earlier, I have discovered the the fun and excitement that is D&D Beyond uh, on the web, which is a great tool because literally you can log into it. If you've got internet, you can get to it and you can create a character. Yeah, it does all its calculations for you and everything, from what I understand. Yeah. Yep. For, for those of us who are math-averse. Oh, yeah. You can <laughs> do – I mean, I would almost say not not that this is by any means my approach as I've been playing for far too long and spent way too much money on physical items to go this road. But if you wanted to, if you have a smartphone, you are ready. You are ready to play. You are ready to roll dice. You are ready to do everything from the comfort of your own two thumbs. And I mean, honestly, at this point with like all the, the D&D Beyond stuff and the dice roller apps, although I've had terrible luck with those, I feel like it's out to get hmm. me. But that's my own paranoia. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's all you would really need. But definitely I would. The feel of actual dice cannot be beat, though. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of actual real physical dice and a little bit superstitious about mine that I have a set that they're beautiful and I love them, but they roll terribly and they can't touch the other dice now. (laughs) They've been put in the corner on timeout. They're not allowed. Dice jail. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. And when you're actually playing the game, uh, you're going to need a little bit more than just your D6s. Uh, You'll probably need some percentile dice uh, so you can roll between one and 100. Uh, You'll need, you know, an eight sided die, a 12 sided die and so on. Um, Pretty much uh, everything from a six, four sided die to a 20 sided die really um, will get you by when you're actually playing the game. But again, you can, you know, do the Internet, too. Yep. Yep. There's there's a lot of apps for that. Yep. <laughs> so when we get down to it, uh, when we create our characters, what do our characters do in a and d game? How, how do you play with these characters? That is not a small I, I, question. Not a small <laughs> yeah, I was question. I going to say, how much time do you want us to take on this one? Oh, we've got time. Uh, I mean, I think quickly defining the role of the person running the game and then referencing back on top of that. You know, so someone is running, if you will, the world and it is the players that then interact with that. And whatever that may mean, it, you have some tools at your disposal to do that. It could be that none of your party have very much intelligence and they smash things or it could be that none of your party has any strength 
And instead, they try and outthink things. I mean, so it's really just interacting it with the world in the way that the players want to. Yeah, I mean, to get into, I've, I've actually had to explain this a couple times to friends who, as I've <laughs> re- returned to D&D, my D&D roots, um, I took almost, gosh, two decades off uh, between <laughs> when I played in college and now suddenly playing again. Like, you know, this entire weekend, I think I've got close to like 26 hours of D&D. Play. Amazing. Oh, wow. Sounds um, like a good weekend. Jealous. Yeah, no yeah. Not a bad plan. Exactly. It's a great weekend. So, um, you know, I had a friend who has absolutely no idea doesn't play any type of games that involve character creation or any type of stats or anything it's like so explain to me stats explain to me what attributes are type thing and you know so i being an engineer i went into engineer mode i was like you know it's a way to capture the infinite variety of human beings into a set of numbers and uh she at first balked at that. And she goes, that's a horrible thing. How can you possibly <laughs> put people into numbers? And I'm like, no, 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 no. The, the idea is, you know, and I gave her some examples, you know, a, a bodybuilder, you know, or a uh, actually, you know, if you really, really go into the true strength of it, you know, more like a power lifter, you know, they are have developed their strength for whatever, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, and it's showing that they are very strong. So, and an 18 is your natural limit to that before very specific training or whatever. Uh, you know, if we get into the real nitty gritty of the rules, you know, dexterity, you know, a gymnast, someone who's very agile, someone, you know, or a dancer. And that, you know, she, her being a dancer, she, she I got her with that one. I was like, <laughs> you know, or, you know, you're dancers, you know, and even, and I was explaining to her, you know, <clears throat> not every dancer can do, you know, can do what they do at the, you know, at the New York ballet, you know, also every ballet dancer doesn't necessarily know how to do tap. So, you know, you've got that whole type of piece or, uh, she always talked about the hardest thing she ever did was the dance, you know, doing sugar plum fairy, you know, for, uh, the nutcracker that that's like one of the most difficult, most strenuous, it's like, now here's where you get into, that's where you would have a high dex, high constitution. This is someone who's got the endurance to build through it. So I just kept on giving out lots of examples like that of how you can quantify. Now, we get into much more soft territory with intelligence and wisdom, trying to make that differentiation. And then charisma is the one that everyone likes to argue about, right? <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that that's always been an interesting one. I always uh, think of um, charisma as your ability to influence, not necessarily your attractiveness which i think you know attractiveness in our in most societies will sometimes lend to influence but does not necessarily mean that you are going to be able to influence better than some others yeah i think in in real life examples um charisma would be your politicians your people that can kind of um talk their way out of things and maybe aren't the most good looking but they they know how to that was <laughs> how to give a speech that was go- <laughs> going to be my exact argument was if it truly were how visually stunning you were we would have a lot more attractive presidents that's all i was yeah. thinking yes absolutely <laughs> well, my my example for that always is stephen hawking mm. oh yes you know stephen hawking has truly can influence the world with his opinions but you know, he, there's there's your almost you know example of maybe a two decks, you know, great mm-hmm. int, actually probably great wisdom for being able to you know at this point in his life and living with the hardships he's have. But you know, most people would just by looks would go, well, no, he you know that's low charisma. It's like no, 
he's actually probably like an 18 charisma because here's someone with all of these other disadvantages, but still the world stops and listens to him. Mm -hmm. You know, so I always like to use that as my example of charisma, not necessarily being what you think it is. Yeah, definitely. That uh, that really sums things up very well for all the different stats. I like that. You guys did a way better job than we did when we were trying to sort out exactly how to explain all of them. <laughs> well, that's why we invite the professionals. I was going to say, I have way too much time on a podcast and playing D&D, so it's okay. Yeah. It's purely attrition, not skill. Truly. <laughs> I, I think also once you've DM, once, you, once you've you know, been a dungeon master, a game master, and had to make those calls, especially those wisdom versus intellect calls, uh, you know, of what check you really want to get gets interesting. And sometimes, you know, we won't get into this in character creation, but in running the game, you can sometimes swap out even what is the the recommended attribute for a check. Religion's my one where I always uh, usually find myself doing a swap specifically for paladins and druids uh, who are wisdom and charisma, religious based casters but religion is about your book learning of your religion. Um, and so, but when you're talking about it, your affinity with your God, it should be based on those stats that those spells are being cast from wisdom or charisma. Mm -hmm. Sorry, sense. I'm getting way out of character creation. World no, now. that's fine. <laughs> Don't mind me as I ramble on about, <laughs> you know. That was, I'm not going to lie though. That was a fantastic idea and I'm stealing it. So now you know. Like, got a notebook uh, over there uh, writing it down. <laughs> Coming soon to a gymnastics near you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one more question we, we want to talk about before we get into like the history the, in the parts of it that we haven't necessarily covered yet is what do you think makes D&D &D unique as a game? Like, why would you play D&D &D over any other of the millions of hundreds, I don't know, role-playing games out there? I think one of the biggest things that makes it unique now is its prevalence and the support that that brings. I, you know, my first thought was, oh, it's versatility, but I don't think that that's what truly makes it unique in that you can really find an RPG that fits exactly what you're looking for that isn't D&D. &D. But the fact that um, probably over 100,000 people tuned in to watch the first episode of season two of Critical Role. And yeah, there we go. Nice. <laughs> we got critters in our midst. And the fact that they're on billboards. Yeah, my, I feel like we're all wearing like. No, no. Mine's just a super cool got... looking owl. Eh, I failed. Oh, nice. I got one on that's a little bit appropriate for one of our guests. So. Oh, hey, hey. I know that shirt. <laughs> nice. This is really great for our audio medium. Everybody can see yep. that we're all wearing. Yes. Uh... yes I'm wearing a criti blue Critical Role shirt. But yeah. Well, yeah. This is, you know, talk about charity. I mean, this is the one oh. NDA that they yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I really, it's that. I mean, if you look at then the all the celebrity games that are the celebrities that are involved in games, Joe Maganello has embraced his origins in D&D &D, and we are all better people for it. And just the number of people that are like coming out and coming forward to, in support of that, allowing it to be, I mean, in a lot of ways, the RPG gateway drug. And it's just going to be the tide that raises all ships, I think is the thing that really makes D&D &D stand out right now. Yeah, I think there's that, like you said, there's this instant sense of community and connection that you can get when saying, yeah, I'm, 
you know, I, I've got a and d game this weekend. Um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, in, uh, for people who don't play, it's become almost like the, you know, like I, I'm drinking a Coke, even if you're mm-hmm. drinking a Pepsi, yep. you know, or Kleenex, you know, instead of mm-hmm. tissue, you know, uh, because it is just the generic RPG term these days. But I think that level that immediately goes into when someone invites you and say it's your fur you've never played before and someone invites you over i mean again you pop it into google and you can see you know Vin diesel playing D. you can play you know, uh, you know you can see you know anyone's twitter uh that you're blowing up talking about that they're doing their game you know certainly this thing called critical role will show up and you turn that on and you'll hear you know you're an Overwatch player and suddenly you're you're hearing the voices of the people who play Overwatch or you know you play WoW and suddenly Illidan Stormrage is rolling dice, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a cool thing. I mean, there's this instant connection that you get and that helps you I think you know especially today in our world there is so much need for people to find a community and some a group to sort of uh identify with to step away a little bit and while you can get some of that in like a world of warcraft or uh an overwatch or i need to think of something other than blizzard project but you know <laughs> call of duty uh you know any of those types of games there is i think a, a, you know this built in with with dungeons and dragons you know there's so many places you can go on and be like i just want to play a game i want to play with other people i want to have you know this face-to-face connection with folks and while there's great other systems out there i think there's system there's systems that i just love that i've played and really enjoyed playing but when it comes to new players new you know meeting new people going to conventions you know there's a quick immediate vocabulary of what you're to expect from a Dungeons and Dragons game. Whereas with Numenera might not be the case, or I can't, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of other systems that I've played, but. Yeah, it's it's really the gateway drug of RPGs. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I always describe it. That's part of why we picked this for our first episode. It's, I mean, it's sort of ubiquitous. And, you know, I, I do have that problem of like being at work and saying, oh, I'm going to go play whatever this weekend. And people say, I don't know what that is. I'm like, Ugh, it's like D&D. It's, you know, you just have to like, you're like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's like D&D. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then suddenly we know what you're talking about. And now we've got all sorts of pop culture references to D&D and things like Stranger Things and whatnot, uh, where it's becoming super popular just to to have it in kind of a more front and center portion of our culture instead of, oh, it's those nerds in the basement playing D&D and rolling their dice and, and summoning things or whatever. Uh, we oh, don't yeah, have to I totally get into bought that. this D&D shirt at Target. Like, yeah. oh, just yeah. right out there in the front of the women's section. Like, yeah, you don't have to go right. to a specialty store to get geeky D&D t-shirts anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's there. We've done it. No. Aha, <laughs> 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 uh-huh. we finally, the nerds win. <laughs> You can't shove us back in the basement now. <laughs> Definitely not. But it's it's funny because, you know, D&D has been around for over 40 years, like we said. And it was actually originally released in 1974. So that's uh, that's a bit older than myself. And I'm usually uh, pretty old in, in my current circles. And 
It's gone through uh, five editions so far, and each one's been uh, a bit different from each other edition. I think one and two might have been somewhat similar, but I'm not familiar with first edition at all. Um, I, I kind of grew up starting with the rules of second edition and uh, went from there to third edition, 3.5. Um, skipped over fourth edition because this was after college when my life uh, went completely to working and not playing, unfortunately. But uh, fifth edition is the current edition of Dungeons and Dragons, and that's the one that we're planning to use today. Yes. And we are using it because it's current. We are not making any assessments right now about <laughs> which edition is better. Please don't email us or tweet us or whatever. Oh, edition wars. Let's do your, this. Uh -oh. All your opinions. I will come right out and say that this is actually the only edition I've ever played. Um, I only started playing D&D like a year ago, and I played for about four months. Um, so I am the least experienced of us here, so... We won't okay. judge you. That's okay. That's okay. This will be. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I know there's a, there's a few more terms that we probably need to cover for our audience uh, that may not be familiar with things uh, before we actually dive into character creation. Um, I know, Tosqual, you covered the ability score descriptions perfectly, so thank you for that. And speaking of which, the ability scores, mechanically, they are the things that determine how good you are at certain tasks, using certain skills, uh, casting spells for certain classes, things like that. Um, and basically, the higher the score that you have, the higher your modifier is. And the modifier is what you add on to your role in order to determine what your result is for that check. And basically, the, the skill proficiencies, uh, everybody basically has access to all of the skills in Dungeons & Dragons, but the proficiencies tell you that you're a little bit better at it, you're trained in it, and you get what is called a proficiency bonus that you add on top of your ability modifier. That way, uh, you get a, a little bit more of a boost, and that bonus actually increases with your levels as well. Anything else that we might have uh, missed in terms of the, the basic terms that we would need to cover for character creation? I don't think so. I think the only thing that we, as a collective unit, and I say this mostly to myself, um, is to watch out for using abbreviations, because I'm ready to say con and dex all day right. long, <laughs> just in case people don't know what those are. Right. No, we can just, point. in editing, insert into the recording one of us saying, time yeah, you yes. say, con, constitution. Con constitution. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. I like it. <laughs> nice robotic voice. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did you get for constitution? <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, are you guys ready to dive in? Sure. Should we make some people? Yes. Let's make some people. Let's make some people. Awesome. Let's make some people. All right. So um, does anybody, to start, do you guys have um, any things that you specifically want to make? Do you have preferences here? I mean, I, just, I haven't gone deep into it and certainly can change it out. I was 
thinking again, since we're gearing this towards beginners uh, or folks who've not created before, I was going to go with um, what I actually think is kind of one of the great unsung classes, which is to build your your basic fighter. you know, that, you know, it, it is kind of always done as the, well, you know, fighters are boring. They never have a story. Uh, you know, it, they're just the fighter, you know. And uh, I think that people overlook some of the really unique things that you can do when uh, telling a story and playing as a fighter. Um, I, I, uh, I try to tend to approach a little bit uh, D maybe differently. I'm not sure than everyone else. My campaigns and the games that I play in are very heavily narrative based. Uh, you know, we might have a combat once every three, four, five, half dozen sessions, and the rest of it will be either political encounters or, um, you know, uh, encounter, you know, interaction between the world and the players. Um, so from, you know, people normally, like I said, with a fighter, like, you know, that's just your flat out combat class. They don't have much of a story to tell through the mechanics, but I'm here to hopefully prove people otherwise with some of the things that I like to do. Uh, and uh, like I say, one of the great unsung classes. So I was going to make a fighter. All nice. right. Neil, right. do you have a preference here? I do. And I feel like Tall Squall and I are going to approach this in a similar manner with their very different ideas. And I will make what I believe is my favorite. Uh, race class combo with a dwarf cleric and a lot of people also say like oh no essentially like oh you showed up late you have to play the cleric (laughs) (laughs) you showed up late and the only power left over is heart i'm sorry everyone everyone else has super cool abilities but we need a healer (laughs) yeah but i and i think more so even in fifth edition than other editions the cleric can be a ton more than just like a heel bot or just just any of the preconceived notions. Um, like I just played the starter set with my wife and and one of her friends recently, and I was unstoppable with Sacred Flame um, as a first level cleric. <laughs> so I am going with Dwarf Cleric. Very nice, awesome. Yeah, no, I I I am a uh, cleric and paladin are my go tos. I I love playing being the healer. <laughs> All right. And what about you, Ryan? You have you have yeah. a plan here? Um, I kind of uh, was wanting to do kind of either a tanky thing or a damage dealing thing. Um, I'm not too particular about exactly which one to go with. And I think I'm going to play it by ear. But I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards the damage dealer type. All right. I, in true Amelia fashion. Um, I'm going to go with the charisma style play and uh, I am going to pick a bard. Nice. You will sing our tales or not. Another preconceived notion (laughs) is that all bards are singing and doing stuff like that. Uh, Again, does not have to be that. Could be terrible jokes, (laughs) which is my favorite approach. (laughs) Stand up comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Now you just have to be uh, a naturally comedic person to play a character like that because you don't want to have your party not be laughing at your really lame jokes. This bard only tells dad jokes. Yes. Hey, I would laugh. (laughs) So to create a character, we have to determine the the ability scores uh, that we talked about earlier. 
And there's three main methods to cover for rolling up our ability scores, so to speak, in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, there's the tried and true method of simply rolling for them. And in fifth edition, uh, rules as written is you take four six-sided dice, roll them, remove the lowest value die, and then add up the remaining three. Do that six times, and now you got six numbers to assign to whichever abilities you wish for your character. Um, another option is the standard array. Uh, this is just a standard set of six ability scores that do not change from the start. Uh, and it's anywhere from a score of eight all the way up to 15. But the nice thing about this is you really only have one score that's below average, and it's really not below average that much. So you're above average pretty much overall for your character, and you don't have to worry about rolling really low uh, compared to the, the rolling method. Also means that everybody's kind of working off of the same set of stats rather than, mm -hmm. you know having somebody who has really poor luck or <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody who's just really great at everything. That's really good for party balance if, if you want to go that route. Um, another route to go is a little bit more math intensive. It's the point buy system. Basically, you get 27 points and you're able to spend them according to a certain chart. Um, uh, you can have a score from eight costing zero points all the way up to 15 costing nine points. Uh, with this method, you could end up with scores such as 315s and 38s, or you could go really balanced with 313s and 312s, and pretty much anywhere in between, um, as long as you can use all 27 of your points. Um, and it's worth noting, you can actually recreate the standard array with the point buy system if you truly intended to. So uh, if your DM locks you into point buy, but you really wanted the standard array, well, you're in luck. You can do that still. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was kind of thinking for our character creation, how about um, each of us take one of these methods, if you have a preference, and um, one of us will, will choose whichever one we want at that point, since we got four people here. So uh, Tosqual, what, what method do you prefer normally? Um, I usually do 46, but I'm happy to take something else if someone else wants to roll. Um, but if no one else wants to, to, to play, the, play the fates, I will be happy to do so. All right. How about you, Neil? Um, I usually like, because I do a, a, a lot of games online when it comes to D&D, I will actually go with the point buy and kind of take that one on. Wonderful. And Amelia? Um, I'm going to go with the one that involves the least amount of math and pick the standard array. Fantastic. So that means I get to choose whatever I want. And I'm with Tosqual. I'm going with the rolling. Nice. I love, I don't get me wrong though. I love me some rolling because at my home game, I actually came up with a personalized system where you take 46 for each attribute, but you can move them around. So you essentially have like a pseudo dice pool. So you have, so you could choose to only oh. roll three die, three dice on one attribute and then maybe roll five on a, on another one because you really want to get something good and you move it around Ooh. but the fates can still be unkind no matter oh, how many yeah, dice it's... you roll <laughs> <laughs> the odds are still uh, sort of not in your favor <laughs> <laughs> all right so how about let's go ahead and um 
for the point buy and for the rolling method, let's go ahead and get our stats so we can figure out where they're going to go when we're ready. Oh, that's a horrible start. Just got an eight. Fourteen. What's a fifteen? I got a ten. Oh, no, another eight. I got a fifteen. Eleven. Ooh. Uh, that's 12, not as bad as I thought. Oh no. Did <laughs> you get a three? A cruel no. mistress. <laughs> that's a six. Yahtzee. <laughs> All words. <laughs> no, I'm bad at math. That's a seven. Slightly better. <laughs> I, slightly better. Oh no. That's an 11. So I have accomplished by clicking some buttons. <laughs> I am ready. I have stats. Awesome. I do as well. Oh, my stats are horrible. But you know what? That's okay. I can deal with that. That's I, the yep, good that's, news that's, is that just, uh, just go for it, man. we are not playing these characters <laughs> right now. So that's true. Um, that's... So, uh, yeah, actually, I did pretty well. I've got everything's at least above a 10, but I've got nothing above a 15 either. So it's that sort of eh. Um, and uh, I actually, because I just listened to uh, the... Uh, Mike Merle's uh, little video on dwarves was going to play a dwarf as well. So nice. that we can use later maybe as potentially a some uh, some group backstory when we get to uh, that point in our uh, broadcast. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Let's see. So I am probably going to go with, uh, I'm, I'm kind of between a monk and a barbarian. I think, you know what? I think I'm going to go with a monk on this one. And I'm going to make him human. I was ready for you to say that you are also going to make them a dwarf, but that's not what you said. No, I'm okay with it, though. Yeah, that's okay. So why dwarves, guys? Why? why like I said, literally, I just uh, listened to the sort of history of dwarves from Mike Merles, who's one of the creators of or the uh, one of the uh, creators of the current edition of Wizards of the Coast. And uh, I kind of liked this idea uh, that he was posing there about dwarves being the uh, craftsmen of, you know, that their whole sort of society, religion, everything revolves around making themselves better at something and which plays into this narrative that I'm trying to build about a fighter who, as I said, has one of one of the most unique mechanics for showing the growth of a character uh, that I feel uh, in storytelling, which is unlike every other class out there that gets uh, feats and attribute increases at every four levels, fighters, for the most part, get them every two. So to build the story of someone who is younger, a new adventurer, you know, level one, or I don't know what we're actually rolling up, but wherever we start, a young adventurer and being able to show with your storytelling this progression into a honed uh, adventurer warrior through these increases of your base stats or by taking feats at these uh at levels. So I, I think it's a great way to tell a story with what is, like I say, considered to be one of the most basic classes, but for telling a story of someone coming of age, it can make for a very compelling narrative because you're actually seeing their proficiencies, their abilities, you know, feats that they might take that you can build into your story um, 
as the character grows as your campaign goes forward. So you have a real reflection in your actual mechanics of your class with your storytelling. Oh, that's really cool. For me, it's just, it's where I started and it's where my love will always be. I say that like sitting here talking to you, I can look and I'll, I mean, again, it's great for the audio medium, but this is the first mini I used like 20 plus years ago and I still <laughs> nice. have it. And I will always love dwarves because of that. And that, I don't know. And sweet, sweet beards. So good old nostalgia and good old facial hair. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia, but I can't do facial hair. So. Not with that attitude. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll think really hard. I'll just like really believe in myself. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I think I'm going to go with half elf. I feel like um, I'm not a good decision maker and being half something means I one less decision to make. Yeah, I like it. I know what I'm about. <laughs> and you went with the true like combo class. I mean, less so yeah. I think in fifth, but you know, in the bard, I mean, back in the day, that was definitely like a uh, little bit of fighter, a little bit of thief, a little bit of wizard. You have a bard. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. I think they can they do cure spells in this game, too. I'm not too familiar with the bard class in 5e. I don't know. We're about to don't find out. <laughs> there you go. I know. I, I apolo- apologize for asking questions. Jeez, uh, come on. And I actually chose uh, human. Uh, it's interesting because in all my time playing Dungeons and Dragons, I don't think I've ever played a human. I've always played something else because, you know, I'm human all the time in real life. So. Why should I play as a human in Dungeons and Dragons? But uh, fifth edition is uh, is really nice with the, the human. Either A, I get plus one to every one of my ability scores, or B, I can take plus one to two of them, and then I get an extra skill proficiency and a feat starting at level one, which is pretty darn remarkable. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you want to squeak out those mechanics out of your class race combo. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different ways to to go about it. And I, I find myself min-maxing a little bit more than I desire because I really like diving into the actual character itself. But, you know, a little min-maxing never hurt anyone. Yeah, I think there's there's that balance of wanting to be able to play your character, but also, you know, the dice are the dice. And... um Part of the fun, I mean, I always go to Travis uh, uh, from Critical Role, who, you know, had this really low score and he put it in Int. And it's what became one of the most sort of endearing features of his character, Grog, was his low intelligence for some of the really great role playing moments in the game. Um, And so don't let a low score or a group that all have the same low score <laughs> experience um, put you off. I mean, we're, I think we're all sort of embracing it now that, okay, you know, we are going to be, you know, this sort of real uh, different sort of party. You know, you all, you normally have the, the wizard or a caster who's going to be your big, you know, your big tactical brain and be able to, nail those investigation and history and all those other checks as we get into skill checks here. Um, And, you know, 
make it part of your story. Yeah, definitely. Yes. No, no one uses a deck of many things like that unless they do not have a high intelligence score. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so each of us have now picked our race, and I think for the most part picked our class. And um, But starting with the race, um, every race offers um, some mechanical benefits too. So if we want to go through and just make sure that we've added all of those. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I will plug my plug D and D beyond here, which is nice. Um, you know, a lot of this will autofill for you once you pick, um, which is nice, uh, when you're going through and, and this is where I don't know all the ins and outs of the levels, but I do believe that character creation in the, for the basic aid, the basic classes is available without purchase don't quote me on that i believe that at least in some form you are able to create characters without uh without necessarily buying a lot of the extra add-ons that go on with it i will quote you on that tall squall because that is exactly what i'm doing right now oh awesome great <laughs> so there you go uh you heard um, it here it, folks yep. i have not yeah, put... no, so it's a great tool for even if you don't want to go into the deep and mm -hmm. you know I got lucky because, unlike a lot of people, I hadn't bought all the fifth edition books. Uh, oh, nice! I had only bought a player's manual and basically a DM's guide and a monster manual. I uh, hadn't bought a lot of adventures. Wanted to have them in my repertoire, and when they came out, they had sort of a big, huge, just get it all. And I'm like, sign me up because it's Christmas, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's been great. Um, I will say this as I mean, just I know I'm plugging D and D beyond, but here's a really neat feature that they have. If you you can create a campaign, if one of your one of your members is uh, does subscribe to it, they can create a campaign and everyone that they invite to that campaign has access to everyone else's in that campaign's purchases. Hmm. Oh, so nice. it's just like your gaming group where you might have that between a whole gaming group, you might have the whole library. And if you brought them all to Saturday Night D&D, &D, you would have access. That is the same way that D&D &D Beyond works, wow. is that any book that has been purchased by anyone in a campaign, once you have someone you know who uh, does that, has access to the whole campaign library. Oh, that's really smart. So choose Which your friends it... wisely. Ask them to provide a list of the things that they have purchased before you yeah. become friends with them. So you can yes. kind of, uh -uh. you know, weed out those doubles. <laughs> like There's a horrible way to choose a player group. Just want to say. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's a really horrible oh. way to choose a player group. But hey, there are worse ways. That's very true. It's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. All right. So we got our races. We got our classes. And and one thing, uh, if somebody's completely not familiar with uh, the whole race class thing uh, that's prevalent in a lot of different role-playing games, basically a race determines what you look like, what your cultural history is, and a class determines effectively what you can do, what you're good at, uh, things like that. Your, your job. Yeah, basically your job. All right. So I think I have everything for that oh for humans i get to i'm gonna go with the variant route i believe and do the two ability scores plus one and a feat and i think i'm gonna take the absorbent feat uh which is really sweet at level one it uh let me pull that up quick here 
so those that are not in the know can understand what I'm talking about here. Okay, so basically with Observant, I get plus one to either uh, intelligence or wisdom. And since I'm a monk, I'm pretty decent with the, the wisdom on there. So I'm going to add plus one to that and bump myself up to 12, um, which gives me a plus one modifier, which is nice. But also it adds plus five to your passive perception and passive investigation checks. So when you're just sitting around and your DM tries to throw something sneaky at you, you can use uh, passive perception in order to see if you can see that thing without having to make a roll. So it's kind of nice that you get plus five off the bat. Oh, and on top of that, I can read lips. I don't even have to hear them. I just have to see their lips moving. And if I understand the language, I can know what they're talking. Very nice. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty sweet first level feed, I think. We hope you enjoyed our very first episode. We do want to say a huge thank you to Neil and Tall Squall for being our very first guests. Mm -hmm. uh, we owe them a lot for helping us make this show reality a reality. Um, in particular, Tall Squall, who yeah. very last minute filled in for someone else that we were supposed to have as a guest on this very first episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think like the night before or something. Yeah, it um, was within the, it was for sure within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that this show wouldn't exist, you know, like we probably would have figured something out or recorded later or something. Um, but we, we do owe a lot to uh, Neil and especially Tall Squall for making sure that this episode, mm -hmm. that this series really came out at all. Absolutely. <laughs> But, you know, if you like what you hear, uh, we really hope that you do stick around. You can pretty much jump to any series that interests you, or you can listen to them all. I'm not going to stop you. But you can also find us online. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CreationCast, on Facebook at CharacterCreationCast, on our website at CharacterCreationCast.com. Uh, feel free to drop us an email at charactercreationcast at gmail.com, or you could sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash charactercreationcast, where we have a lot of nice bonus goodies uh, for everybody uh, from $1 tier and up. So uh, feel free to swing on by there and see what that's all about. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll come back for part two. For joining us for part one of this character creation series. We'll be back in part two, picking up right where we left off. Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can also be found on Twitter at CreationCast or on our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter, and I can be found on Twitter at LordNeptune or online at lordneptune.com. Our other host, Amelia Antrim, can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permissions from the podcast they originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero, remixed by Steve Combs, and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. 
This episode was edited by Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game systems used in today's guest can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, extra outtakes, and much more at patreon.com slash character creation cast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time.